No more pigeon talk. Welcome, everyone, to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. We're getting into the festive season. That's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we'll be discussing uh, an Atari age topic that's fairly important. Uh, a follow-up on the WADA activities from Carl Jobst. We'll also be discussing a Patreon poll topic. We'll do a voicemails. We discuss uh, pigeons and North American wildlife on the exclusive Patreon podcast, patreon.com slash CU podcast. So many species not native to North America that will shock you. We should, we should do a video like shocking. If we did a video like that, like an uh, edutainment video, it would get like 100,000 views. <laughs> yes. The, the nine species that were not native to North America will shock you. Yeah. So check that out if you want to be shocked. Shocked and appalled. What else do you do this weekend, Ian, besides read about pigeons? Uh, so back is still shitty, leaving me kind of not being able to do much. So I played video games. Um, played more Halo Infinite. Uh, I played a little Halo Infinite with our, our buddy Skylar. Oh, okay. Uh, I am getting ever so slowly better at Halo Infinite. My kill-death ratio is now a solid one to two. Oh, okay, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a 33% increase. Yep, yep. So I'm doing pretty good on that. Uh, one to two is better than one, one to three. To two. Hell, I had, a, I had a six kills, eight deaths round of uh, Capture the Flag last night. Almost one to one. And I captured a flag, so I actually did something for my you team. You returned the flag, or you just touched it? No, I I, I returned, returned I returned it. a flag to my okay. base and I killed a bunch of people holding flags. Well, you better defender and capture the flag. That's the one mode that I never really got into as much on the on Unreal Tournament. It's like I I liked it, but I never knew if I should be a better defender or runner. I love know, capture the or flag midfield player or whatever. I, I end up doing okay with it. I loved playing actual capture the flag as a kid. That was always we never actually played capture flags. We played manhunt. Yeah, which is like. Half of it's like related to it a little bit because you capture people. Yeah, no, it's the same sort of shit. You have like jails and stuff. Yeah, but no actual flag. There's not an actual flag. It's a it's a childhood game of sneaking, of sneaking, of sneaking. So you actually had two flags. Yeah, and then it was just tagged. We tagged them; they were out. Is that what happened? It was yeah, and then we usually had them like in a backyard, in a backyard, and you it, we played it throughout the whole street. And then there must have been to be fair. Oh wow, the cars coming. That's fun. There must have been like. You can't get within a certain area of the flags, and it's not fair if you run on top of it. So you had to like, there was yeah, like a, I don't remember, like that. a safety zone, probably. And there was like a jail for each team. Or well, there was definitely jail. I feel like there was probably a lot of arguments over capture. Oh, I touched it. Kids. Oh, that yeah. One, two, three, manhunt. No, it was one, two. So I did that, and then I played Phantom Abyss, which is a game I've been interested in. It's early access. I don't support a lot of early access stuff unless it's a developer that i already know or it's an idea that i'm really into but phantom abyss is like um basically you get to be an indiana jones type person and you have to get through a randomly generated temple full of booby traps booby traps yeah that's what you said booby traps booby traps um <laughs> and uh yeah it's a good time so that's that's what i did what did you do besides hanging out with frank cornish game hands at frank's yep yeah for the first time ever uh, well, no, I think we had Cornish game heads one time before. It's just so random. He had them frozen. Hey, Patrick, I I'm going to defrost some Cornish game well, heads. Well, he gave me a choice. He said, I can defrost some steaks. I don't want a frozen steak defrost. I'm sorry, Frank. That doesn't cook as well. Uh, but Cornish game heads was fine. There's not a lot of meat on a Cornish game head. There's not a lot. No. It's almost like an appetizer. So we were so hungry, we ordered pizza afterwards. And it's like we had two, we had two meals, basically. It was, Did you see me up on the two wheels? Uh, uh, <laughs> the twins reference? <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, that's a deep cut. I saw that in theaters, Ian, at the Amboy Cinemas. There's, right after playing, right playing uh, AT, uh, ATB. I quote that. BTB. I've seen All that movie older. exactly ATB. once in my life, and I have quoted that line for 20-some-odd years, or if not longer. I cannot get it out of my head. There's some heart to that movie. There's some heart to it. Yeah, there's some violence too. The tones all over the place. Like I remember that. Me. I remember the tone being all over the place yes. as a kid, which is why I've never watched it again because I thought it was there's, just going to be like a weird comedy movie. There's but it's violence not. and murder, yeah, and comedy between Devito. That was the height of Schwarzenegger's powers and two wheels. See me up on two wheels. <laughs> that was what, 88. That was Jesus Christ. Yeah, I no, probably, 88 or 89. Because I remember one year going to like I probably well, I watched it in the mid 90s. There was uh, it was always on WPIX on Sunday afternoons. And the guy did his own little jingle that I, I, I still know the words to because I'm a crazy person from the commercials. But like it was like that. It was like one of these summers where we went like every other week to the movies. My father would take me to Amboy Cinemas because this is before all the big multiplexers. Most, most in your town had like two movies at most, maybe three. It was like hard. There was not a lot of multiplexes in Jersey. Uh, but that was a multiplex. They'd had, they had like all the movies. They had like 15 to 20 movies. Everything that was out. Right. Had. So like it was one year. Maybe it was, was Twins 89. You can look that up, Twins. I'm going to look it up. Well, release, you're looking it up. Release date. It was 88. Okay. So it was 88. But there was, uh, it was December 88? That doesn't sound right. December doesn't sound right for that. I don't, I'm not trusting Wikipedia. That. I remember seeing that in the summer. I don't remember seeing that unless we saw it the next year because there was like one year where we saw like Batman and then the next week, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. And it was like one banger after the other in, in the summer. That's what we saw. I don't remember that being a December release, but I did see that in the theater. I do remember that. Um. Anyway, all right. So you like twins? You gotta get get that on Blu-ray. You gotta get the. I would love to see a commentary track with Devito and, and Arnold. <laughs> Man, Devito was like forty-five in that movie. Really? Yeah. So that means he's like seventy now. Yeah, he's old. I just saw the the the, the premiere of It's Always Sunny. Forty-four was when he. Yeah, he's seventy-seven. Wow. He's still going. On it's Always Sunny. It's been on for fifteen, sixteen years. He um, recently wrote a comic too. Vani bought it. He did like a little short in one of uh, it's like a it's one of those like comics that comes out every once in a while. It's like DC villains, I think it's called, and like there's short stories in there. Okay, and he did a, a short story in there about uh, Catwoman. Okay, yeah, <laughs> a national good. treasure, Mister Danny DeVito. Yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah, he always looked like he was 45 forever or 50 years old for mm-hmm. like 20 years. Uh, yeah, uh, it's always sunny. I saw the season premiere. I guess I took a year off. A lot of these shows took a year off because of the pandemic. Makes sense. They came back, and the first show was almost like showed how the gang was involved with like some of the stuff that happened. Like, and one you know, end up the resurrection at uh, the resurrection at the January sixth insurrection, not the resurrection. You know, some people thought it was probably resurrection, and then like uh, the, uh, the, um, the Dan DeVito character was responsible for like Giuliani's hair dye and things like that. It was goofy. <laughs> it was like it's just like a recap catch up episode of the past. You know, sort of like a year and a half with the pandemic. It's still a strong show. It's still going strong. It's so funny. It was, it was like that show was like, uh, yeah. If a show if a show was is on now that was still on when I was in New Jersey, it's been on a long time. Right. It's been on a long freaking time. And I've been catching up with X-Files. Whew, season five has been a struggle. I think that's when the show really t- started to take, take a, nose, uh, a, a tail dive. Because season five, I think they were working on the movie. Maybe Chris Carter. There's only 20 episodes in season five, so there probably was a shortened season. Man, you can tell. Like, there's some really poor episodes in season five that the previous seasons, there weren't as many. So I think, yeah, if you're going to watch X Files out there, season one through three, I think you're usually, I think you're good. 
then some of the season then at that point it's just picking out the good episodes like there's an ep- awesome episode season six or seven takes place in san diego where they go to like the gated community it's a classic episode it's a gated community but there's a monster that's like killing people they don't abide to like the the the, the you know the ccnrs or the hoa rules basically the hoa rules the, the con- like the house Asso- the neighborhood association it's a great episode they, they, they basically go in and undercover as a couple mm. it takes place in san diego i probably would recognize the neighborhood if i looked uh sort of closer uh, on it, but um, yeah, it, it's a great show. Um, see the news about Sony, Ian? I did. Sony is uh, introducing a three tiered plan of what for, for snacks for um, Games th- basically service? replacing, yeah, PS Now and uh, PlayStation Plus. Um, the specifics are not out yet, but. They people are thinking this is going to be similar to the um, Nintendo uh, the Nintendo plan where because they're saying that they're going to basically combine them and they're going to start offering access to um, PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, and PlayStation Three games via a ser- service and PSP according to this article. PSP really, and I, yeah, wow, okay, um, and probably doing that this spring. Uh, I, I can understand they're going to keep the PS Plus name. They're going to get rid of the PS Now name. I think that makes a lot of sense because PS Now is not nearly as well known. And I don't think it was ever looked at as being a particularly fantastic service um, on the PS4. For instance, excuse me, the only the PS4 games can be downloaded. Everything else needs to be streamed, which is not an ideal way to play this stuff. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that I don't know how they're going to work in the PS2, PS1 I don't know if they're going to wrap them in emulators or what, if the PS5 can handle that more naturally, um, but I really hope they do include an option for downloading the games and playing them, because I think that's what you need to make the service uh, take off. That's what uh, Microsoft Game Pass does. You, you mean just, downloading versus cloud? Yeah, downloading versus okay. streaming. Um, so this, this is what you get. Here's the, here's the tiers, <clears throat> according to IGN. The first is the same benefits as PlayStation Plus, which is required for online gaming and comes with some free games each month. What is that per year? Like 20 30 bucks? What, what was that? It's 60 bucks a 60. year, two games. I think it's usually two free games a month. One of them is usually bigger. One of them is usually smaller. So the lower tier 60 a year? Okay. A little more spendier than Nintendo's options, but okay. Well, that's what I was um, trying to say during the whole Nintendo thing. I don't like what Nintendo did, but when you look at Microsoft and it might be 50. Um, yeah, it might be 50 a year, but okay. still. Microsoft, Xbox Live Gold, and PS Now are not cheap. The second tier offers the gaming catalog like Game Pass. Um, and then the third tier, you're going to get extended demos, game streaming, and then you get your PS1, PS2, and PS3 games, and PSP. So they're probably going to price it where most people either get the first tier or the third. They're going to do the second tier. It's like, who the fuck cares? I might as well spend 10 bucks more. The second tier exists to push people to the third yes, tier. It's the upsell. Because you get the Game Pass. You want the Game Pass or, the, or their version of the Game Pass, which is you know a, a newer game library, and you get all the back catalog. That's probably what's going to appeal to But of course, it's going to come down to what the hell is going to get in that library of games. You know? Right. Um, I don't like the tiers option. I think Xbox or Microsoft Game Pass technically has a tier, two tiers. But tiers as far as I can tell, it pushes you towards the, at least on PC, I'm not sure that you can even access the lower tier. Um, there seems to be like there's Game Pass slash Game Pass Ultimate. Okay. Ultimate includes like some EA games, is basically what I can tell. Okay. Um, $14.99 a month. We'll see what they want to do per year here for this. 
Uh, the access, if they put a good amount of them, access to PlayStation 1, 2, and 3 games, I think is going to be a big deal for people, but price has to be appropriate, and I, I, they can't be streaming games. They've got to be... They've got to be something you can download and play accurately with no lag to uh, be worth that price. The comparison Xbox Game Pass is ten bucks a month. Okay, fifteen or, for or the ultimate. fifteen for the ultimate. So Pat Math, that's uh, what is that? A hundred and forty a year? What the hell is twelve times fifteen? Uh, Jesus Christ, I can't do the math in my head. What, what's a six hundred and sixty? Yeah, hundred and eighty. No, it's eighty. Hundred eighty. It's, it's eighty every six months. A hundred and sixty for a year. That's okay. That's okay. So it's going to be probably in that neighborhood, probably to compete, right? And I mean, I feel like Microsoft Game Pass is a pretty good deal from oh. what I'm looking at. Uh, you know, one eighty, fifteen times twelve. Maybe it's maybe you get a discount if you get it all at once. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Pat Math was right for once. All, all right. right. It's ninety plus ninety, not eighty plus eighty. Okay, great. Uh, what else is going on here? I don't know, Pat. You tell me. Sony VP was fired. This, uh, Speaking of Sony. This was uh, directed at me, and I have not paid a whole lot of attention to it, but I did see that he was caught in a fucking pedophile sting. So that's, YouTube video. That's pretty uh, great uh, that they've fucking got his ass off the street. Uh, a Sony senior vice president who worked on the PlayStation Network has been terminated from his job after getting caught up in an amateur pedophilia sting video. I'm sure Sony was like, this is great timing, dude. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, George Kakiopo was allegedly trying was allegedly trying to arrange a meeting with a person claiming to be a 15 year old boy, according to a video posted December 3rd by the YouTube channel People vs Preds. Cassiopo had been a senior vice president of engineering at Sony for the past eight years. According to his LinkedIn profile, he has been fired after allegedly appearing in the video. We are aware of the situation, and the employee in question has been terminated from Sony. Gross. Wait, did he appear? Did he allegedly appear in the video? Or that's him in the video. I guess it's alleged that that's him. They got to be careful, with the, obviously, with the terminology. It's alleged that he was meeting a fifteen-year-old boy, but he's in the video. Like you see it in the video. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Cameraman walked down the street at night toward a house. Person appears. He was wearing a PS5 shirt, like on top of it. Like you, you can't make it up. You can't. He's wearing. He's wearing his employer's shirt. Oh, he's about to allegedly engage in an illegal act. That's awful. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Now this happened in San Diego. Oh, God. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, Game Awards, Ian. It's happening. We'll, 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 we might talk about it next week. We don't want to. This is fucking but. bullshit. So um, Game Awards basically came out and uh, they said, and there's been some updates since, um, but said that they weren't going to take a side on the whole Activision Blizzard um, sexual harassment case, and they were going to focus on the reveals, uh, I, I guess. Um, we're at a point with this Activision Blizzard thing that Sony has made a statement, non-statement, but a statement, Microsoft has, Nintendo has. The companies that fucking play these games on their systems have come out and made statements. And this mealy-mouthed, fucking spineless, no-balls fucking bullshit has just got to stop. Um, you can say something and then still focus on games. I, you can, I Yeah, you can acknowledge that it's happening and it's, you know. Right. Like, and I'm, I'm at this point where, and I'm guilty of this, you know, 
clear the fucking air right now. I've said in the past before that when things happen at these sorts of places, a lot of times there will be employees who say, hey, you know, don't feel like you got to boycott it or do something, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just so you know, they usually say these things to other streamers, people who use these games for business. But we're at the point now where, no, we these people have to start losing something. They have to realize that their market share is in jeopardy. Their money is in jeopardy. This shit is bullshit and it can't happen. There needs to be an active reason for them to change and they will only change if they lose money um you had a follow-up jeff on twitter on the third so he's follow-up and said because it's a criticism the game awards is a time of celebration for this industry the biggest form of entertainment in the world there's no place for abuse harassment or predatory practices in any company or any community i also realize we have a big platform which can accelerate and inspire change we are committed to that but we all need to work together to build a better and more inclusive environment so everyone feels safe to build the world's best games. Fuck off, Jeff. Uh, I said that in a tweet that it's hard to walk back such a glaring statement. Well, Once you've said it, you've already said you don't care. So walking it back, this, this, this fucking milk toast wait and see attitude. We're going to wait and see. Well, you did wait and see. And now what happens is you're making a statement in support of these people, but you look like a fucking chump because you didn't just come out and say it in the first place. Jeff Keighley is the video game equivalent to Roger Goodell of the NFL. He is a mouthpiece basically hired by the game companies. The video game awards exist because the game companies pay for it. They're on the board. There's an Activision, at least one Activision guy on the board, you know, whatever the fuck the game awards team that puts this together. They're not going to eat their own, unfortunately. That's all at this point. At this point, the Game Awards, I mean, it's, it's beyond cliche. It's a marketing show. The awards mean oh, yeah. absolutely and they never nothing. Have. I'm not like, it's not that I'm upset. Nothing. It's not that I'm necessarily upset that um, the game, oh, oh, I never watched the fucking Game Awards. I'm I stopped a, watching it like four years ago. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm upset by how they chose to handle this, but I'm not upset that, so, oh, I, I'm not like, this isn't like, oh, wow, the wool's been pulled from my eyes. The game, no, I know the game awards are bullshit. Yeah. I just, I, I hate this. And this is the, this is the same guy who did the Mountain Dew and Doritos thing, the Doritos gate. They call him the Doritos Pope. That was like, he, that was like he's, seven years he's ago. Had, years, he, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he is a commercial product. Yes. I don't know if, for, at this point, Gotta I Gotta stop being surprised that these people let you down. I don't know. I'm sure he might be a nice fellow. I might don't know be. Anything he does besides this award show at this point, I don't know. Anything else he's involved in besides this. He can make his most of his salary just doing this award show. I have no idea. So, like, at this point, like I said, he's like Roger Goodell. You're the commissioner hired by the owners. You have the owner's interest at heart. He has the, in- the, the video game company's interest at heart. That's the bottom line. Video game industry has this problem where they look at everyone as friends. Everyone's my friend. I, I think there's a lot of parasocial relationships. Well, absolutely. Yeah, it's it, like any obviously. Other thing. And it, it's people don't really. Yeah, I just I, I didn't. I'm angry at how they handled it. I also didn't have a lot of sympathy for people who thought this was a surprise because this is just how this bullshit is always going to be. I wish it was different, but it's not. And let's and award shows in general are garbage. They're hot garbage. I, I, I figured that out that they're all circle jerks and just honestly, a lot of people probably just do it just to build up those relationships they have with people. And it's like it's like almost like a like like like, a, like an insider event. Yeah, that's all. That's all they probably are. Yeah, we can drink and have fun and and we can uh, slap each other on the back, but it's probably just a chance to just 
you know, have in-person relationships and meetings with people and things like that. I stopped watching the Oscars like five years ago. It's like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm watching these people that are millionaires get these awards, and it's just like they're all just congratulating each other, and it's a four-and-a-half-hour show, and what the hell am I doing? This is insane. Uh, to do this video games and, and and it's and it's not it's not just their fault they're just reacting to to the people will watch it on twitch they'll watch it on youtube live they'll talk about it it's all the consumers that get oh my god my game's gonna win game of the year who the fuck cares if it wins game of the year or not do you like the game yes or no right. do you enjoy it? why do you need the validation of others to like your art or entertainment it comes that's what it comes back to why do you need others to validate what you like so you shouldn't have to all I'm going to say is don't support this bullshit. If it pissed you off like it pissed me off, don't support it and actually don't support it. And don't I watch think, it. I think that's yeah. where we're getting with this. People want to say something, but they don't want to take any action. And like I said, I've been guilty of that. If you are pissed off at Activision Blizzard, don't buy the games. They're never going to learn unless you speak with their wallet. If you don't like the Game Awards, if this pisses you off, don't watch it. It's a fucking backslapping party. No one needs it. Tell it to fuck off. Give it low views and maybe it will change. But stop. So many people, I, I know, I, I hate to be this way, but I saw a lot of people angry on Twitter that two days after we're already talking about the Game Awards again. Nothing changes if you just get angry for five minutes and don't do anything. Uh, don't talk about it. Don't watch it. Don't support it. And for people to say, well, I want to see whatever the Elden Rings reveal. Guess what? It'll be up on YouTube like right after, go it'll to be IGN online. or Kotaku. Go or... to YouTube and just watch it. It'll be on. I almost said joystick. <laughs> joystick. Oh, rest in peace, joystick. Uh, any any <laughs> one up? Any of these websites <laughs> that were around when I actually paid attention to websites? <laughs> joystick. Uh, or joystick. Yeah, they'll be online. Tell them to fucking kick rocks. I don't. Yeah, and I saw. I did see people that that were invited. I think I saw one person say like, "Yeah, I'm not coming unless this is like addressed in some way." Like I said, uh, it's just it's that's the easy way to do it, and that's why I was pissed off, and I wasn't going to accept any walkbacks. The we're not going to say is how they feel the water, and then they yeah. decide. No, have the fucking balls to say something without waiting to see if it's going to go in your favor or against your favor. Yeah, it's a political thing. You fucking pieces of shit. Well, like I said, like I said, Activision helps put this show together. All right, they, they, I'm, they, I'm done. I'm angry. You're angry? Sorry, Ian. Don't be mad at Jeff Keighley. <laughs> well, you won't be mad going to ultimatenter.com. No. There's lots of to put a smile on your face. Good one. You got you got t-shirts, limited t-shirts. Simple, you, effective. You got the RBI baseball stickers that can brighten Ian's laptop. You can fit one now, Ian, on your new laptop. Yeah. Uh, you got the enamel pins. Perfect stocking stuff. You can stock about 50 of those in one stocking right there. And, of course, they make a great gift. They're heavy. The ultimate NES and Super Nintendo guidebooks uh, at ultimatenintendo.com. Um, there's also a sale at uh, cameo.com slash Pat Country. If you book on the website, it's 25% off this week. I think it's a, th- a promotion they're doing throughout the platform uh, there. So you can book me on Cameo. Uh, there was a Gift of the Magi thing happening, Ian. I swear to God, uh, a, a, a couple both booked me for the other person for Christmas. Oh, yeah, you told me that. And it wasn't planned. I'm like, look at that. Isn't that a great gift? That's crazy. <laughs> Hopefully they didn't have to sell something to get the then it's really a gift to the magi. Right. Selling something to get the gift uh-huh. to the person. Uh, and I'm on Twitch every Wednesday. Ian loves it. He shows up once every fifty one weeks. Twitch.tv slash country code. That might be might be an accurate percentage, like that's like one point eight percent or something like that. Uh, you see the portable Saturn, Ian? Yeah, this is neat. This was brought to my attention by my pal Steve Lynn. He's my pal, too. Uh, unbelievable work by TZMWX to create a portable Sega Saturn. This is a tweet by, among other things, 
cutting the board in half and reconnecting everything by hand. This is at Shape Mods. You can go to bitbuilt.net snap it like to a, find it. Snap it in half like a cracker. So uh, there's a size comparison. It's white. It Uh-oh. looks uh, to be a little bit bigger Uh-oh. than Uh-oh. a Game Gear. Okay. Uh looks to be a little bit bigger than a Game Gear. Um, I don't know a whole lot about this. I can just tell you that it is awfully impressive. There is a picture of the board being cut in half, and it looks like a lot of work was done to reconnect everything. That is a shitload of wires. Um, no wires. Always impressed by these sorts of uh, projects. And I, and I guess to, to load the game, so they use the, uh, the, the, uh, the, what's the thing that costs 200 bucks? An ODE, an optical drive emulator. Yeah, optical drive emulator. That makes sense. That makes more sense. Yep. There. Probably saves on battery life quite a bit, too. I would imagine, yes. Yeah. If, if you had a disc thing come out the side to load it or to, yeah, there's no room to put put a CD in there. That's fantastic. What you say? From bitbuilt.net. Bitbuilt.net in the forums. Say that three times fast. That's funny. Um, a gamer. It's got to be a gamer. A gamer has 2,700... Burger King, Sneak King, 360 Jeez. games. Yeah. So this comes from a comic book resource, CBR.com. We're starting to uh, starting to pick up on their on their video game news the past few months. We've been talking about it more. Uh, one collector obtains as many copies of the Xbox 360 Burger King tie and sneak game Sneak King as he can, gathering a whopper of a niche collection. Wink. Um this is a user no mercy video on Reddit. He claims Although the post came from Reddit, from No Mercy Video, claims that the collector managed to obtain 2,706 physical copies. No, that's that's the user. Okay. Uh, well, the picture can't accurately be counted. There's a noticeably large stack of discs, which reached the shoulders of the owner. The collector has even documented some parts of their quest to obtain as many copies as I can, uploading some of their journey to the YouTube channel, Sneak Kings with a Z. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's incredible. That that's uh, it's two people. It's uh, let's see, one person of uh, the part. Uh, Leroy Patterson is a stuntman for wrestler, and Bobby Ramos is a wrestler as well as a voice actor. So this is what I want to say about 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 the Sneak King or the other two games. What's the, 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 the little the little motorbike game? And what's the third one? I always forget. Oh, the, the There's bumpers. Uh, Bumper big bumping. Bump. Okay. Big bumping. There was a point in time, maybe still, where I go to the swap meet and see a box of them of these three games sealed. You would see just. Dozens of them. I guess, you know, like they shipped them out to all the Burger Kings and they had so many left over that what do we do? They just gave them away to employees or they're worthless. They made millions of these things. Yeah. I mean, I had at Luno at one point, I think someone came in and tried to, they called us up and asked if we bought video games. We were like, yeah, of course we do. And sure. they're like, do you buy a lot of them? And we're like, oh, sure. Jesus, okay. He's like, I got a lot of sealed stuff. And normally we don't like whatever. We're like, sure. Dude rolls in, looks like he's never played a video game in his life. Just some flea market guy. Puts him down on the counter. Obviously looks like proud of himself. I'm like, it's all Burger King games. I'm like, ah, these aren't worth anything. He's like, nothing? They they, they gave these away for, for dirt. I don't know what they cost at the time, like $3. It was or like two ninety nine with a meal or something. Yeah. They weren't expensive to begin with. And they just it was had shovelware. Too, yeah. And they just had too many of them. And the guy like looked at me and goes... I don't want this box. And I'm like, I, well, I don't really want it either. And he's like five bucks. And I'm not kidding. There was probably like 60 copies of these games in there. And we were like, okay. sure. And we put them in our bargain bin for a dollar a piece and like eventually sold them all. But yeah, so they're everywhere. I did a preliminary, preliminary search on eBay, Ian, for these. Mm-hmm. 
two different sellers that have tons of these that you can get three for seven dollars. Rise by Christmas, by the way, all three, which is uh, Sneak King, uh, Pocket Bike uh, Racer, and then what's the third one? Big Bumpin'. They've sold at least 188, this one seller, of the set of three. They're sealed, by the way, new. Oh, yeah. The second seller, I haven't checked more on this. The second seller has sold 445 sets of them sealed. Wow. For how much? Uh, $8 for this $8. person. $8. In, in, uh, but free shipping. So you want to go for that one. I'm, I'm, this is uh, someone in Tulare, California. Uh, $8 for all three sealed. And they've sold 445 sets. So just imagine how many this this is the Spider Man twenty six hundred three sixty. Oh yeah, like they're probably like there's no this is like the Cheetah Man too, but, but it's not real. Like it'd be harder to find one actually open. Sure, the sealed one of these. Sure, I could see that. What was this like two thousand five? When did they do this? Two thousand seven around there. What, what's so, uh, that's I funny. think that was before I. Well, well yeah, when it, it came out in two thousand five, right? Late two thousand five or two thousand six? Early late two thousand six, but they're playable on an original Xbox. So I think it might have been like two thousand five, two thousand six. What's playable on an original Xbox? These three sixty games? Are? Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. They're not actually three sixty games. They're, they're forward compatible. They're, they're, ex- they're They're not. Well, they're Xbox games. Really? So the three sixty is just backwards compatibly playing an Xbox game. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's incredible, Ian. That's some, dropping some knowledge. When we, do, when we do video game years 2007, you can bring that up. That's going to be it's going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to that. Uh, what else is going on here? Um, is that it for the intro? Did yeah, that's it. That's uh, the intro, okay. man. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. If you're on YouTube, remember we got an audio podcast. We don't remind you often, but you help us out. You listen to audio podcasts. Uh, you know, on Anchor. Pump the numbers. Fans. Pump the numbers. Anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. That's right. If you haven't finished your holiday shopping yet, don't panic. We've got a secret source for incredible original gifts, and that's Uncommon Goods. UncommonGoods.com has the absolute best gifts for everyone in your life. We're talking moms, dads, teens, in-laws, best friends, your one and only, and it's not stuff you can find just anywhere. Uncommon Goods has unique and creative gifts, often handmade by independent artists and makers. So skip the gifts that scream last minute and find something truly original at UncommonGoods.com. They've got a lot of interesting things on that website. I particularly like looking at all of the interesting food things that they have up there. For instance, they have a Quick Pickles gift set. You can make spicy, sweet, or dill pickles. The brines come in the bottle. You just add the veggies and wait a few days. They've also got gourmet peanut butter cups. Oh, that looks great. Uh, they have gifts for everyone. You like baseball? They have the vintage baseball park map glass. They're like tumbler glasses, and they're an etch map of some of the older stadiums. If you like that, you want to you want to decorate your garden? How about the Zen Turtle Garden sculptures? They're adorable. They're Zen. They're relaxing. They're turtles. They're cute. And for the kids, build your own robot kit. It's painted hardware. But you put it together, your own little robot. It's adorable. It's fun. There's all original stuff here, Ian. Uh, they look for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They're the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. Uncommon Goods also offers uncommon experiences. Choose from live online classes in mixology, cooking, flower arranging, embroidery, and more from hand-picked artists and experts. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a non-profit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. 
So if you want to check out Uncommon Goods and get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash CU podcast. That's uncommongoods.com slash CU podcast for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, Amico. It's Amico time. Oh, and it's a big week. A uh, big week for the intelligence. Big, Amico. big week? Big, big. Never going to do it again live if you always press the button. Um, I haven't done it for a few weeks. So, uh, Atari Age, the, uh, the, that, that hallowed ground that we have once talked about uh, positively and then negatively. And it's a form. Maybe someday it'll. It's a classic gaming form. It's a classic gaming form. Um, classic gaming forum focusing on Atari and television, ColecoVision, like really that era of stuff. There's, a sure. data, there's an Atari game database. There's probably some TI stuff in there, Texas Instruments. They uh, had in a television Amico subforum um, that uh, was famous among people who follow the Amico uh, because it had a thread uh, initially called Tommy Tallarico Q&A. Uh, where he introduced like the Amico, it kind of became the fortress, the the home base for um, Amico fans. Um, it was uh, pie in the sky things that Tommy and other people said were rarely questioned in this forum. Mm-hmm. Um, dissent was not really accepted, uh, and resulted in lots of bans from the thread itself of longtime Atari age members. Longtime Atari age members, some even being banned entirely from the site. Um, they always said that it was being run fairly, but if you look, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Lot, I mean, you can. It's easy to go back and look and see the situations. Uh, the uh, a lot of. I'm not saying all of the people banned did not deserve it, but a lot of the people who were banned were simply um, just asking uncomfortable questions of Tommy, and Tommy didn't like it. And then uh, there was some collusion. I'm not saying there was there was any incentives, but the the moderator, uh, in, in, not not. Albert runs the site, but the moderator Jaybird the third, Jaybird third, was had a heavy hand. Oh um, yeah, and and it was almost like he was a part of of, of Intellivision. That's what it seemed like. I'm not saying he was, but like he was doing Tommy's dirty work in that thread, very clearly. And, and it was crazy to see yeah. how 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 people can get trapped in a um, cult of personality because uh, I'm not trying to. I, I don't know this person, but uh, that Jaybird the Third was very anti uh, uh, Coleco chameleon. chameleon. Yeah, during that whole Coleco Chameleon thing, he was very much on the side of ours and o- other people who were like, "This is never going to happen. This is clearly, uh, you know, uh, not I, scam." Isn't the word I want to use because I feel like these people, as dumb as they are, did have some intent of trying to create a console that made them. You know, oh, yeah, the famous. Ca- the chameleon. Pop- I don't think it. Yeah. I don't think any of these started out with the intent to scam money from people. I just sure. don't. I think. I think they're all ideas that got way out of control, and they don't know how to stop the the problem. They, sure. they, they don't know how to stop the house from burning. Um, but um, 
yeah, it's crazy to see how someone like that who saw through the Kamiko chameleon, uh, Amico, Coleco, <laughs> the Amico what? Jesus, the Coleco, the Coleco chameleon, chameleon <laughs> uh, was bought. I mean, bought into the Amico hook line yeah. and sinker. So originally, this giant thread, which would turn into hundreds of pages, um, and, and then Tommy posted on it near daily for a lot of the, the, the what two and a half years. It's been there or two years. Uh, it was there. Um, it became, like you said, a breeding ground. For not just sycophanty uh, sort of behavior, sycophantic behavior, but also like people saying, "Oh, I want this in the console, Tommy. I want this and that." And it, at first, it was his own, just his own thread. And then it, there was a sub form, and then it spawned out, uh, you know, and then it became the Amico Fun Conversations. You said in August, you told that me that started in August, which I still think uh, is one of the uh, most pathetic things I've ever because seen. Because you can all you can all question the, the leader. Oh, it made me feel bad, so we're going to change it to fun Amico conversations. It sounds like a fucking playroom for toddlers. So so the thread was also used to attack and libel me, to libel Ian, to make fun of our physical, uh, you know, how we are physically. Uh, Kev, people like Kevtris were, were, were libeled and, and, and uh, lies spread about them. And it was all allowed on Atari age. And and I I pointed some of these things out to Albert who ran, who ran the site, and he did take care of a few things, like a like a year and a half, like early early 2020 when it really started to get worse for people attacking at least Ian and me. That's when it really seemed like people got more desperate to start attacking us for whatever reason, maybe because it because it looked like it at that point was turning to something bad. And plus, that's when they started taking pre order money. It was March of 2020. And that's what I said at the time that all bets were off then. We have to have a more critical eye when you start taking money from people. Yeah, once they go the crowdfunding route, and I don't care what Tommy wants to say, it's actually called this crowdfunding. Uh, once they went the crowdfunding route, that's when uh, I felt like, yeah, it was open season for making more comments. Yes, especially if you're going to have outlandish claims that end up being lies and falsehoods. Yeah. Absolutely. That entire thread created things that 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 thread created a narrative around the amico that it never originally was it was basically amico by committee for the first especially for yes. the first six months to a year you have things that people brought up that suddenly ended up being put as like official official sure. things that were going to happen in amico. and then I, then i saw on the intellivision underscore amico subreddit someone pointed out that the amico at some point also became like an anti-patenian console oh well and that's some people that's clear. as well because it shows like a lot of the detractors, a lot of people that support us and prop the, prop this up had histories uh, with us. Oh, some a, cer- a, a certain yeah. author. I I feel like a certain author's support. Not just that YouTubers. Oh no, but I'm just saying well. a certain author's uh, support of that system 100% seemed like it was a reactionary bit of nonsense sure. to could be uh, to us. So so, but the 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 final point is this: it it, it lasted far too long. But uh, on Sunday the fifth. Uh, the entire subform was wiped from existence. Gone, donezo. Um, way too, way too late. It should have been done last year sometime, but better late than never. And I guess the question is at this point: Why did this did this happen? Right? Why did this happen? So we have the official responses of why this happened. Then we have the unofficial responses. And the reason out there you think this all oh, just a subform is that this 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 subform slash the big Tommy Q and A thread. There's a lot of things that went down just in that thread. There was a people use. Yeah, I don't it, think we've mentioned it. Has uh, millions of views and had how many? Uh, I posts? Have to check. There's hundreds of pages of posts. Right. It was. It, um, I mean, it, it it became like I said, the home base for Amico more so than uh, any Reddit, more so than 
um, a Facebook page. This was the central ground zero gathering place yes. for Amico News. Uh, a lot of the stuff that Tommy first revealed about the console was said on that form or things he tried to say, although I didn't mean I just posted on the form. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the first ideas or, or oh, I, hell, even like uh, anti-patenine videos were posted and shared on that thread. Like things like it, it became this like one stop for Intellivision Amico cultists. People that are interested, but also cultists. And also people that, you know, should not be, you know, should be allowed to operate heavy machinery. We'll just say that. Um, so you want to go by the unofficial response first or what? We'll go by what, what happened first. with What happened to the Amico Forum was posted by someone after it was yeah. wiped. By 6502 Wrangler. What happened to the Amico Forum? It appears to be gone. I just saw Tom Tarico's final post inviting people to the Amico Facebook group. Maybe that was against policy. If this isn't a glitch, why nuke them rather than lock them? Albert, who owns the site, responded, I have removed the Amico Forum. A new Amico Forum will return if and when the Amico is actually released and starts arriving in customers' hands. I'd already considered removing the form for various reasons, but but Tommy's two posts tonight just cemented the decision. I, I don't see the, the posts. I don't have records of the two posts that he removed. Not only because he made those these posts to promote his Facebook group, but also stating, no dingalings allowed. Dingaling, a, a nice way of saying dicks. While stating in one of those posts, it's best to try to keep the drama out of Atari age. Uh, then he put a little emoji of hand hitting the head like, oh, geez. And this is after he previously proclaimed that publicly he would no longer be posting on Atari age, which I was perfectly fine with. Well, there won't be any more drama about the Amico on Atari age for the time being, so he was right about that, Al. So so basically, Tommy was trying to promote, he has this now insular, private Amico Facebook group. This is, the, this is as close to us circling the wagons as you can get when you're, when you're in your own private Facebook group and posting to your own little audience. Uh, apparently, it's yeah. not, it's, it's, uh, apparently, anyone can look at it and see. It's not. I mean, you have to join. You have to but, join, right? But I, if I, I try to join it, they'll see my name and say no. Likely, you know what I mean. Well, I'm just. What I'm saying is, they're not vetting it for the most part. Anyone can join it, but still, yes, it's still a private Facebook group. It's not out in the open. Um, it definitely seems like this is like a last stand. It's a last stand. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame that it took this long to get to this point, uh, but it did. It did, and. If it wasn't for this, I'm not saying things would have been radically different if it wasn't for this threat existing, but my life would have been easier a little bit. Ian's life would have been probably easier slightly because it allowed this uh, uh, fomenting of, of these bad actors that try to attack uh, any, any reasonable critic, not just, not just Ian and me, other people. And without this breeding ground, I don't think he would have had that nearly as much. Sure. I don't think he would have had it. I would, this, this like echo chamber of, of, of attacking people. Right, it got out of hand. I pointed it out. I was ignored, but they. But what? What are you going to do? So uh, Tommy, Tommy posted uh, after it was wiped. Tommy put out a statement to try to spin the narrative here. This is what he posted on Facebook. Ready? I'll try to do it in my Tommy voice, but I'm not. It'll make me sick. Yo, friends from Atari Age. Just want to let you know that Albert and I were planning on shutting down the Amico Fun Conversations thread months ago when the Amico Forum was moved to new consoles from the original Intellivision area. But he decided to keep it open while we started building up this group and moving interesting, interested folks over to here. Can he ever not spin anything? My original thread was, was getting too big and massive, about 1.5 million views Guy, in caps. He cannot when miss Albert an opportunity to brag. It. Pretty amazing. Not only was it getting too big, as he preferred people to make separate threads for each topic, which totally makes sense, but the thread was also attracting a lot of unwanted drama from the bad, 
the bad hombres and concern trollers. Bad hombres. What are you, fucking 70? This wasn't fair to Atari age. Albert and all the mods who constantly had to monitor the place because of drama and, in quotes, jerks. Atari Age ended up shutting down the entire Amico area and will more than likely start a new area section when Amico finally, in caps, comes out. He actually put finally. Anyway, just wanted to give you some context to anyone who may have come from Atari Age to this new group, this group, and noticed that my Amico Fun Conversation thread was closed and the Amico area is gone. Thanks. Let me know if you have any questions about Atari Age and I'll try to answer them to the best of my ability. So, uh, what, what do you think Pat did? I put on my Hearn Burford out of control news hat mm-hmm. and I, I talked to Albert. I talked to the source and I asked some questions about this post mm-hmm. as, as I, as I put on my newsman hat sometimes. What's Albert say? All right. Hi, Albert. Was there any truth to any of what Tommy said on Facebook saying you both were planning to shut down the Amico fun conversations thread or was he making that up? Albert responds. Yeah, no, I've only spoken to Tommy once in all of 2021 regarding the Amico form, and that's when I wrote him in August and told him I was likely going to nuke the Amico form as I was tired of the shit. I most certainly never agreed to shut down the Amico fun thread, although he did suggest it. I ignored that. Uh, I just looked at the conversation again to verify I didn't say anything even close to that. I did suggest he create his own form, and it looks like that may have been the impetus for creating the Facebook group he's been promoting. So there you go. So he, he didn't agree to anything like that. It was a lie. Tommy lies again. Yeah. Lies, lies, lies. People always ask for us to point to that sort of stuff here. Right here. Forum owner. Tommy lied. Lies. And this, this is funny, too, because Tommy acts like he, like, the way he writes makes it sound like he was chum-chum in yes. contact with Albert all the time. It's how he does every, it's how he talks about every single relationship or uh, acquaintance he has. Miyamoto, everyone. He's, he's, he, he. He has to be mentioned in the same people. He needs to have people think that he's associated with with interesting people. There can't be. He can't think that anyone has any anything negative to think about him. Right. Like that's you can't do that. You can't. Um, so then I asked, was, was this the final straw or was there something else that occurred? He said, I'm not even sure why he said that, except to make it sound like we recorded any crap regarding the Mika Forum, certainly was never the case. And for the record, not I nor anyone else associated with Atari Asia has ever received any compensation from Intellivision Entertainment or Tommy regarding that form, nor was any offered or asked. In hindsight, I should have removed the form when I initially threatened to. I, I thought lock, locking that fun thread and, and, then, uh, and then the other general threads would calm things down, which it did a bit. Tommy reported a post by some user, blah, 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 and that he would no longer be posting on Atari Age. Then responded. Then he, then yesterday he responded to a comment in the all pre-orders VIP thread, and then started a completely new topic to remote his Facebook group. That's what pushed me over the edge to finally pull the trigger. Someone naturally started a topic asking what happened, which we went over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I asked. Uh, for, so for the record, you think the sub forum wasn't a good idea to begin with, or just become its own monster? And what was the thought behind deleting everything versus just locking it down? Do you think it would be less drama not to have old threads accessible? Uh, he said, Albert says, I think it was absolutely fine to create the forum. At the time, it was, it was a new console that looked pretty interesting. And obviously, the ties to Intellivision have uh, direct relevance to Atari Age. We have a very active Intellivision forum. In hindsight, certainly, it should have been moderated better, and I take responsibility for that, especially given the lightning rod that Tommy is. As for deleting everything, well, it's just hidden from everyone. It's not deleted at this point. It's possible I will again make it visible again in a read-only mode when I create a new Amico form when the console comes out, assuming that happens at some point so people can reference the old threads. And I finally asked, do you feel Tommy was allowed more leeway to act against the forum's rules versus a typical poster? Also, is Jaybird Third still a mod? It looks like he hasn't posted since August. 
He responds, that's hard to say. I wasn't paying as close attention to the Amico form as I would have liked, but in hindsight, I certainly would have watched over that form more, more closely and in particular paid more attention to Tommy's posts. I know we did warn, warn him to stop bringing outside drama to the form and that he would be better served focusing on the Amico instead of his detractors. Even at the very end, he couldn't restrain himself from saying twice, saying no dinglings allowed, which was completely unnecessary. While Tommy is obviously enthusiastic about the Amico, he's not a grace spokesperson. And he says, Jay Bird III is still a moderator, but he's pretty busy with his job and personal life right now, so he's not active at the moment. Maybe that's being political. Maybe Jay Bird III is giving, has been given a timeout by Albert. I'm not going to totally speculate, but that he person... He stops posting around the time that... Um, that's... Around the time that um, the thread changed names from Q&A. So, so I... This is what I'm going to say. I'm not going to not. Yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll trust. I'll trust Albert. But, you know, it was pointed out Tommy's bad behavior that if he was a regular poster, would not have gotten away of, of making fun of our physical appearances. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, calling like Pat the Punk and the long haired dude and other derogatory statements. I didn't see a lot of them. I just early on point out like this is bullshit. You can't be using this this forum, this Q&A thread to personally attack, not just me and Ian, but other critics. And he's attacked other people as well. So, like, you can't allow that. Uh, it makes your site look bad. It makes your site look like it has no integrity, your form. Uh, and it makes it look like, you know, like what the hell is going on? And, and from what I hear, a lot of longtime members stopped frequenting the site or paying subscribers stopped. They let their uh, subscriptions lapse because of this. I mean, that's part of the reason as well. Yeah. To finally do it. And this is what I'm going to say about the association to, uh, to the original television. There is no fucking association to the original television. It says it in the fucking SEC filings on Republic that this company has no connection to the original Mattel and uh, their production of the Intellivision. It yeah. says that in a government filing. Right. It says that. So I don't know what else to say about it. It was ridiculous uh, that it went, went on that long. Ridiculous. So is this uh, a, a beginning of another sort of end to this to this project? I don't know. But, but at least the wind's been taken out of the sails. There was one YouTuber that covered this console a lot, had hundreds hundreds of videos covering it, and privated all their, all their videos recently. Yeah. So, so maybe now at this point it's gone too far for a lot of people. Basically, the, 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 the people that we said would be canaries, I think, are starting to canary. They're starting to they're, die. They're dead. They're, yeah, they're, they're in the coal lines and they're, yeah. they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, without mentioning that person's name, because I really, I just don't want to bring any undue attention I, to a lot of the people who cover the Amico. I'm, I, they don't like me, but I don't feel anything negative about them. This has oh, all been Tommy for me. I feel negative about the ones that are personally. Well, I, I feel negative about some of them, but frankly, I, I have other things to worry about. Sure. Um, but yeah, when that guy privated all those videos. I mean, that was one of your biggest... And granted, he has been more quiet over the past six months. I think he started to realize shit was maybe not looking so good. But yeah, when all those videos go private, when your home base kicks you out the front door... We'll see. Remember, Q1 2022. When you got some of your spokesmen coming out and being like, oh, they're not actually being manufactured. Like, yeah, I... I, I feel like in more, production doesn't mean manufactured. We are at um, the point where writing is really on the wall. He, I, I, just in terms of financial quarters. I mean, if it's he's going to the financial year ends in March with nothing for the investors. You can only string it on for so long. Yeah. And again, for this to come and out, this has been slow. This has been slow as it is. Like, I feel like if this was anything else, we would have been done with this over the summer for this to for this to come out by end of March. You didn't need in production now. End of March is only four months away. 
with Chinese New Year and Chinese New Year you take two or three weeks Lunar out of production. Year. Yeah, you're uh, so like this has to be in production now. So whenever you're looking at the timeline when it's, when this console can come out to people, you got to look at okay, four months from now if it's if it's getting shipped over uh, from from China or somewhere in Asia, it's four months from today if it's not in production. That's that's your time frame, and that's if it doesn't get stuck on a boat. Uh, you know, like the Evercade Versus getting stuck and and can't get. You know, it's on a boat and it can't even get to the, you know, inside the port to get off. Sure. Better hope those controllers don't have any faulty batteries either. Yes. If you think the play, the play date, which, which is, you know, put together by a real, a real company, Teenage Engineering, they put it, and they had an issue from a, from a, uh, from a hardware manufacturing standpoint. You don't think these issues can happen to a, to a company like Intellivision Entertainment? They can't have something like bad happen in the process? Well, nothing ever happens to Tommy. It's Tommy Tellerico. He can't lose. He can't lose. He, he can't, can't lose. lose. He's got the secret. He can't lose. People actually fucking said that to us. He can't lose. Tommy Tellerico can't lose. Can't. Can't. That's not how the world works. No one's invincible. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. It's holiday season. Don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer? Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my pat math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code CUPODCAST. Ho, 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 fellas. Naughty or nice, it's the season to perform. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0 which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about it, the teens buy it, and the women will love you for it. Now, these are our picks for Manscaped Surefire Wind Stocking Stuffers. Number one, the Manscaped 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, just launched, killed two birds with one stone. Number two, the Manscaped Cologne-Infused Body Wash. Three, Cheers 2.0 Luxury 4-Piece Nail Kit. Four, Crop Mops Ball Wipes for your stanky balls. Five, Manscaped Signature Cologne. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So you know their products are legit. They're sucker-free. Whether this is for your partners, your dad, your brother, friend, get them something they will actually use. And it's almost sure to get a laugh. Make sure you hurry to their site to ensure these wild gifts show up before the holiday season. While you're at it, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code CUPODCAST. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Happy holidays. All right, Ian. Yeah. I'm going to follow up to the WADA retro gaming sealed uh, hullabaloo from Carl Jobst, speedrun extraordinaire, and now, uh, I guess, gaming journalist. Back in, uh, was that September? He reported on a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about since going back to like 2019 about the weird relationships between the people running heritage auctions, running the WADA grading company. People buying their own the carts and promoting them, and, and and pumping it up, and things that we were railing upon for years uh, to a lot of deaf ears. And then Carl did the video, and it blew the hell up um, in September. And now it's almost like Watt is almost like a boogeyman name when it comes to the retro gaming scene, uh, for good reason. 
So so Carl did a follow-up uh, video, and this is why. When he first did his video, he had a lot of people say, and even a lot of uh, sealed game players like, yeah, this kind of looks sketchy, what they did. They didn't disclose this relationship. But, you know, it's just unethical, and, and maybe there's nothing bad in terms of legality going on. And there was even uh, game journalists that kind of alluded to that as well. It's like, oh, you know, it is what it, almost, it, is, what it is. So Carl wanted to do a video, a follow-up video, especially since things were revealed since that video, like Mark Haspel selling games to, to journalists at the Abramson and finding out that, hey, a guy working for WADA is selling graded games. This is, this is unethical. And Ian commented on how that was wrong, and that shows up in Carl's follow-up video when he talked to Dennis Kahn at one of the uh, retro gaming events. Portland, maybe. Uh, maybe Portland, like maybe 2019. Yeah, probably. So, so Carl then went into this in this video and spoke about, well, this is potentially illegal activity going on. These are potential uh, Federal Trade Commission FTC violations happening. Uh, th- these could be unfair manipulative uh, marketing practices going on, unfair deceptive pra- tra- trade practices, to be more specific, uh, that the FTC would say this is not good. You can't do this. This, this is the same thing like false advertising. There are laws against these things. You can't just say, hey, Ian, I have a nice bread. Makes your boner three inches bigger. You can't just say these things. They're, they're illegal. But did I sell you on that bread, though? You don't need a buddy. I don't know if he does. Anyway, so, <laughs> so the point is this. We needed someone, not just idiots running a, a podcast, to say this stuff is probably illegal. We needed someone to say, yes, in my legal opinion, this is probably some wrongdoing going on. And that's what part of this video uh, is. That's the part of the video I, I frankly find to be interesting is I, I like the legal analysis. Um, Which was Alita from Legal Bites shared her expertise. Uh, so she goes through uh, a handful of things and kind of talks about the initial WADA uh, release, uh, the, 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 uh, the initial announcement of the purchase of the game. $100,000 Super Mario Brothers. That's where this all began. And then she also uh, looks at the uh, the legal... Uh, she looks at the Pawn Stars. Um, the episode the where episode they showed up, they showed up uh, about a year later with that $100,000 And then there was one more thing that they looked at. I can't. She looked at it. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but she does a very good job of going through and talking line by line through how these... Uh, you know, uh, how it would look. And uh, doesn't always fall on favor of, you know, this is a problem, but notices that there are issues in certain things. Uh, she goes into a uh, talking about um, puffery, which is kind of, uh, well, it says here, opinion statements subjective in nature that cannot be proven false uh, exaggerations. Basically, they're not actionable. Um, so, you know, saying something like the video game market is on the rise, which I mean, you could prove false, but is it, it falls under puffery. Basically, it's what they consider uh, marketing. Just it's like hurts. a margin of error that salespeople are given to blow their product. A little sure. Bit. You're allowed to market your product with like, hey, you know, you, 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 our gasoline will put a pep in your your car step. It's like. What changes, it's not you can't prove it false. It's just a thing you say. What changes puffery is if it is a a very specific claim. Yes, um, and that's what you know. That that's when it becomes an actionable thing. All right. So we talk about puffery, which could just be marketing talk versus a specific claim. So in the uh, Heritage Auctions uh, release here, press release, um, you had let's see. 
You have this collector, uh, Zach Geek, owner of Just Press Play Video Games in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He was one of the three uh, buyers. Called this example the equivalent of the valuable comic action comics number one. This, this is the first appearance of, of the Superman of video games. We all knew how hard it is to find an open copy of this version in nice condition, but to find one sealed is truly something I thought I would never see even after selling vintage video games for over 20 years. So it's something uh, very specific. You know, it, it's, it's, specific, it's a very specific claim. that could potentially... Comparison to a thing so that you think it's going to act in such a way. Yes. And it's going to be Action Commons number one, which Action Commons number one, I mean, there was just a sale for that for millions of dollars. Right, it's comparing it to probably the most expensive collectible. I mean, that's, one of the most expensive like, collectible pop culture pop, Yeah, on the market. So you're already putting it on that pedestal right there. But the, the, the other thing that was interesting, though, is that uh, what, what she talked about was talking about um, would the average, like when you hear the claims, would the average person's opinion weight of the claims change if they knew financial or other relationships of the parties involved in the sales slash endorsements. So we're talking about undisclosed relationships in regards to the, to the valuations. That was a big thing she keyed yes. on. So like we talked about how like, you know, Jim Halperin, you know, he owns heritage auctions. He buys this game. Do, would people have known or thought that this was all on the up and up if they knew, for example, that Jim Halperin was an investor in water games? Would that have flavored them knowing that a guy running the auction house was investing in the company that's auctioning? The, the way she words it exactly is, would your knowledge of their relationship cast doubt upon what they are saying as being truthful or something along those lines? Correct. And that goes back to the heart of the issue. The things we always talked about, that none of the relationships were ever disclosed. None. Uh, you know, Rich Lecce shows up on Pawn Stars with this game. Dennis is there next to him, and they act like they don't know each other. Right. He's just a guy... Even though for when I hear, uh, you know, they rode in the fucking car together, uh, you know, to, 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 to the Pawn Stars shop when they filmed that. He's just a guy, though, that's valuing the cart. He knows exactly who I am. And oh, by the way, uh, his co-buyer of this cart is an investor in my company. None of these relationships are disclosed. If these relationships are known, someone watching that show uh, at first glance, oh my god, if someone has no idea about retro games that maybe becomes, we'll just say, a collector investor, they can watch that and go, oh my god, this, uh, this could be a million dollar game next year. This can't lose. If that person had known there were all these relationships, could they step back in and say, hmm, this seems a little bit shady. Yes, of course. This is a little bit sketchy at that point. It would be like going to a car lot, Ian, and having the salesman be there trying to sell the car and a random person walks by and, go, and goes, oh my god, this is a great car. You should get it. Not realizing that, that maybe car. maybe that or maybe that person has a relationship with the person selling it. Right. He's not just some random ass person that's telling you to buy the car. You can't legally do things like that. So there's a, there, it gets into the weeds a little bit with the legalese. Like for example, it brings up a roofing company, a lawsuit where there's. So like, this is like when they're talking about the Carolina collection. Basically, yes. a roofing company. You know, uh, there's a master elite certification that someone can get, but it's basically a paid for certification. Sure. You, you the main 
the main factor in getting that certification is you have to buy a certain amount of roofing material from that company and they give you this master elite certification that supposedly makes you look good. Well, you have to let the information has to be out there that this is basically like a paid for thing. Yes. Otherwise they, they, they may take that certification the wrong way. And she was working that into a little bit with the Carolina collection, uh, basically. Which about, is Dana uh, Anderson's collection. You from, know, it has a name. It sounds special, but people need to understand what goes into why it has that name. Was there money involved? It was part of a collection sure. that was purchased, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, I, and on the tail end of that, you know, it went into uh, Jeff, was it Jeff Meyer? Yes. Who, who, who bought, bought, uh, bought Nintendo Age, Age yeah. and then shut it, shut it the fuck down. And um, Dane called me personally about a week after, within a week, because it blew up. It was all over the place. Uh, the original September video that Carl did. Uh, and, and Dane str- straight out told me, he said, I would not have sold it if I thought he was going to shut the forum down. Right. And, and, and the forum had a lot of information, but also the database. Um, and Jeff Meyer knew what he was doing. He was, you're, hide, you're hiding information. And we see this potentially happening now um, with Moby Games, if Atari buys it, that trying to privatize or, or hide uh, this information that's been public for so long, it's super important. Uh, not just to to the hobby, but to the entire industry, it's 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 incredibly disgusting uh, to do that. But that's an aside, though. That's not the main reason this video exists. But that's just to clear up Dane. Like Dane had nothing to do with all this bad stuff. And at the time, I don't think Carl thought someone did the original video of that. But yeah, it's it's a shame that it it, it, it was shuttered uh, like that. So I guess I guess what it, what this this we can cap this if there's let's see if there's anything else to say no i, I the, the, the thing that i really found interesting was the differences between puffery and and and, and actionable and um the um the specificity of one versus the other yeah that in the uh the whole uh roofing thing i thought that was kind of interesting and also the things we said that we weren't sure about that you have to disclose relationships like when we say when we talk about you know a sponsor we have to say we are sponsored by them right it's the same sort of thing you have to disclose any financial uh, relationship of that sort, or any beneficial relationship. If you're giving something for free, you have to disclose that legally under FTC laws. But I'm going to come back to the fact that, you know, why why did it take a YouTuber to go out of his way to make these videos? Uh, you know, like Carl saw us talking about this. He obviously saw the $1.5 million sale, and it got him intrigued. Why did it take that to get this stuff in the in the public eye? Why Why was this ignored? And I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I've been shoo-shooed by uh, a game journalist, more than one, saying, oh, this is nothing. People are, I, I was literally told by game journalists, people are allowed to know each other. Like, it wasn't a big deal. They just know each other. Not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Horses out of the barn, unfortunately, because now they did what they, were, they set out to do. You know, if this was, if this was stocks, they'd be facing uh, civil charges if not criminal, in some cases, potentially. That's the thing. The FTC can levy uh, civil uh, penalties. They'd have to refer, if something was really horrible, like fraudulent, they'd have to refer it to the like, Department of Justice to bring actual criminal charges against someone. But FTC, they can levy you know, civil penalties, which is, which is monetary when it comes to this. Uh, will that happen in this case? I, I don't know. I don't know if it gets to that point. Unless a lot of uh, rich people get taken for a ride, which a lot of them are, and then complain, you know, would something be done about it? I don't know. I don't know. 
What do you think? Why, why do you think this wasn't covered like this? Why, why do you think there were just articles put out on game journalist website just just believing what these people were saying without looking into it? I, I just think all hobbies kind of are fairly insular and protect themselves from. Uh, you don't want to think something's bad going on in your own your own yeah neck of exactly. The woods. So it's usually just shoo shooting quieted and that's that's it I, I i literally think that's the extent of it people don't want to think that something's go something bad happening is in in their backyard it goes back to awards sh- the, the award show sort of th- sort of thing i think we touched on this before is people like this the importance placed on their hobby based upon valuation um and it's like wow a video game's now worth as much as an action comics that so, means video so games, video games has arrived right yeah. and it's like why again why do you need that that weird outside endorsement uh the 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 price valuation of a hobby should not be why you like video games especially retro ones if that's the case anyone never got into it i would never gotten into it because the games were fucking worthless most of them when we started you know the average nes uh game price was like two dollars in the mid to late 90s you know what i mean like they're they weren't worth much yeah so like like what's the why do you need other people to tell you that what you like is is important if you like it, you like it, right? Ian likes uh, crocheting, right? You get into it. I love it. Would would it? Would you love it more if, if, like, all of a sudden, oh my god, now everyone's doing it, and now some old ad, some old ones from the eighties are now going for a million dollars? Would it be like I feel more important now in, in my choice of a hobby? No, 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 no. You, you did your little your little little cozy for Pat, and I enjoy it. Square, it's a good square. Little Menda cozy. Square? Little Menda Cozy, that's right. Little Menda Cozy, Little Menda Square. You should make it cozy for it. But that's that's what it comes down to. So, game journalists, I know it doesn't seem sexy to want to look into things. It's 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 easier to be like, oh my god, it's a, it's a record-breaking game price every month. But you helped create this. You helped create this situation. There's no accountability for that, but it is what it is. All right, Ian, we have a... Uh, we got a Patreon, don't we? Oh! <coughs> Whoa! Uh, sneezing all over my Turbo Graphics games. My Aero Blasters getting its blasters. Okay, uh, Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go, you give some money. Uh, you get writing. Okay, I'll do a writing this week. Uh, you get hangouts. We're doing a hangout this weekend. Uh, you get the full, full video podcast, and you get these Q and A polls. Q and A. That's right. In second place. Are sealed game collectors being mistreated? Oh, 38%. And in first place, why does it say 63%? Did they miscount? They do Pat Myth. Best 8 and 16-bit arcade to console ports. 63%, which adds up to 101 mm. on Patreon. Ian, what are some of the best 8 and 16-bit arcade to console ports? All right, so the one that I thought of uh, first, there's two that came to me like right away. Uh, one of them is Contra on the NES. Um, I feel like people actually forget that Contra is an arcade game, or was an arcade game. Um, the con- the version on the NES plays better. Uh, I think it plays better on a 4-3 screen than it does on that widescreen screen that Absolutely. I don't particularly like. Um, I just think it became a better home game than what they had in the arcade. It it's a better like, game. Yeah, it feels like they had way more time to kind of flesh out what they really wanted to do with it. And yeah, it just plays better. Um, another one that I like to talk about a lot is Street Fighter 2 on the PC Engine slash Turbo Graphics. Um, one of the finest arcade ports, uh, one of the finer ports of Street Fighter 2. Um, the closest one. Yeah. Out of those 316 bit ones. Exactly. It just plays really great, and it's impressive to see it because, as 
you know, you probably know the PC Engine Turbo Graphics, etc., was uh, you know an eight bit processor, mm-hmm. which with with beefed up graphics. So what it's doing is is genuinely, um, is genuinely impressive. Um, going back to the NES, a couple more that I always really liked were, um, I feel like the Gunsmoke port to the NES is a better game. Yeah, Gunsmoke. It's it's they, it's, they it's, a, it's an it's an enhanced game. They added the little shop stuff. They added the, the shops. Uh, the firing is actually a little bit different, I believe. It's uh, than the arcade because I think the arcade had three buttons. Three buttons. Um, so you, you hit A and B to go up straight versus but B, it, left, it, right. They they did they the additions they gave it really make it feel more like a home video game. They did a good job of taking you know a pretty fast paced arcade game and just adding a little bit to it that really kind of extended it for, um, for the NES. So those are those are the ones that I th- oh in Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble is a fantastic arcade. I don't know if I ever played that in the arcade. Try to remember if I played that in the arcade or not. Um, I have, and I mean the. I'm sure there's some differences, but like it's just one of those. You still have a hundred levels in it. Yeah, it translates perfectly <laughs> fine to the NES because it's a one-screen game. It's, it's a little easier. Yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot. Well, it's a little easier uh, uh, to do. To... Oh, what? Smash TV. That was the last one I wanted to do for the NES. Smash the NES? TV and, and the NES. Super Nintendo is good too, but I feel like the NES is particularly noteworthy just for how fun it actually is and how well it actually turned it out. Gets for a lot in there. They, they, they pack they keep, a yeah. lot in. So um, I, I think that's worth mentioning because to me, a good arcade port is not only is it accurate, but it's like, did it do well with what it had to work with? And the NES, especially well, when you use the two thumb pads. Yeah, you, you emulate the arcade. Great one game. To move, one really to shoot. good game on the NES. Uh, but this is the best one. So so if it was the best one, it's still good, though. It's admirable. Like the Smash TV on Super Nintendo is fantastic. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's close to the arcade. Um, I, I'm sure they censor a little bit. Of, of it if I remember the violence but like it sounds and looks just like the arcade um, and there's two players and then the cross the cross pad buttons act as kind of like directionals yeah so it works and you can do the combination so like if you if you want if you need to use buttons those four buttons works out uh, pretty well there um, I'm looking at a video and I haven't played I haven't played the um, the arcade in a long time but I'm looking at a Punisher for Genesis the beat em up from what I hear, it's a pretty good version of it. Mm. That was the best one. Obviously, the graphics won't be won't be as as nice the Genesis, but like I'm looking at it, it looks like you got the weapons in there. You got the, the guys running around. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty good there. Obviously, people are going to say, "Well, Pat, you bring up beat 'em ups. You got to bring up Turtles in Time on on Super Nintendo." I mean, you just have to. Um, I actually played more of that on the Super than I did in the arcade, so I don't even really know if it's like a good arcade port, but it's definitely a good game. I didn't play it that much. I played the original, but like it, it's fa- it's fantastic. Sure, I mean it's fantastic. If you want to stay on that, uh, Sunset Riders, uh, Super Nintendo is a super closer than Genesis. Yeah, yeah, Sunset Riders is amazing. I gave it five stars uh, in the book. I was like, thinking, I was trying to think, like, is there anything wrong with this game? And I couldn't, I couldn't think of a damn thing. Uh, wrong with that game playing it like well there's nothing missing from that it's a it's a perfect you know run and gun shooter when it comes down to it like perfect i think lastly i'd just throw in final fight cd because the, final fight cd that's a good one yeah uh really did just about all it could with the systems at the time and created a very act there's there's definitely some inaccuracies but i mean for the time that was the best you were going to do and why is that? Because because you had obviously multiplayer. Yeah, the multiplayer. You had more people on screen, and you had the CD audio soundtrack. Yes, yeah, so you had a, a beefed up soundtrack. Yep, and you had cutscenes. Oh yeah, that's right. You had cutscenes put in that. 
I, I own that, Ian. I, I found the box for it. Did I get the box at Luna? Did Luna have the box for it? Or I just got the disc at Luna? I thought I got one or the other at Luna. He might have got... I think he got the whole thing at Luna. No, I didn't get the whole thing. Okay, I think, I think I got someone one. I know did, because we've had that a couple of times. It's one of those dumb Carver ones that... Yeah, yeah you no, see, it's, you it's, red, it's a night trap. Yeah. Look at that nice that nice gradient yellow to red. It's fant- What a fantastic box there. Uh, I'm going to go back to NES ones. Um, this is one that people will be like, you're crazy, Pat. Tecmo Bowl. Uh, Tecmo Bowl was an arcade game. Yeah. That no one, almost no one played. They had, was it the dual monitor? Oh, yeah, that game on? definitely found its home on system. Oh, yeah, that's not, it, that's the thing, like, can I even call that a port anymore? It's like, I can't even call Rygar uh, an arcade port. It's entirely different. It's almost like you can't call Tecmo Bowl a port. It's entirely different. Right. It, it, it resembles it, but it's not, it's not, you know, it, it's not on the same uh, sort of pedestal anymore. Um, I was thinking, I was going to say Commando. The problem with Commando on the NES, though, is you have all the disappearing uh, guys running around. It's like insanely flicky. It's like you, they throw all the guys on the screen, but it's like almost like they don't know when to calculate not to throw more guys on the screen. So guys, enemies will just disappear. Yeah. There's too many. There's too many sprites on the screen. Yeah. Once it gets to like whatever eight or nine enemies or ten, they'll, they'll start disappearing. So that's that's kind of weird. Um, Try to think. The the NES one is, is a little bit tougher for to say the best, but there, there's got to be ones that came out in the NES that weren't on the Super. There's got to be earlier ones, earlier arcade ones. Well, Contra, for one. Contra. Um, Rygar was going to be another one. Gunsmoke was not on the Super Nintendo. Um, the first Double Dragon. That's an interesting port. That's not the best port, though. <laughs> I, to me, I, I qualify that as a different game. I'm going to say Contra. You're going to say Contra? Yes. Is there any shooters that were ported to the NES that you'd say were, were not, not the best one? Not that would be better. I, I, that's, that's unlikely because Life shooters Force? were always pushing... No. Shooters were always pushing stuff. There's always flicker and slowdown and issues with with shooters. You're going to get a better version in an arcade. I think I think Contra would probably be my. Vote we're just talking for... best ports. We're not saying it's better in the arcade. We're, we're saying just. I, I think we're we're looking at Contra for that. For the for the best. That's the best version. Of, it's not the best version. It's is it? It's. See what I'm saying? Yes, but I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm not going to. I'm I'm not going to slice it that far down. I'm just going to say Contra. That's my answer. Okay. All right, and then I'll I'll leave it on uh, one one last one last sixteen bit uh, arcade one that was a really uh, g- good port. Uh, Joe and Mac, really, uh, really good port. Sixteen bit, uh, really good port on the Super Nintendo. Uh, but, it's either the Super. Well, they're from what I understand, they're fairly different from the arcades. One of them is. I think the Genesis one is actually supposed to be closer to the arcade. Really? Yeah. Something okay. weird with the Joe and Mac ports. I read about it ages ago, but they look great. I mean, it looks fantastic. That yeah, was, they that look, was a that they was look a, amazing. That was an early system seller to me. That was like, this is an arcade looking game. Yeah, no, it really there. was. Uh, I don't know why they got rid of the Caveman Ninja thing on it. I guess they didn't want it named that. And Joe and Mac sounded better as a marketable uh, sort of thing. You know, it's funny now I think about it. That wasn't an arcade game. Like like Sonic should have been an arcade game when it came out. Mm. It seems like that's an arcade game, kind of short levels. You know. Maybe obviously you have to make it harder, you know. But uh, that seemed like that would be would have been a nice arcade game. It looks like an arcade game, in a way. No, yeah. Am I crazy? A little bit crazy. A little crazy. Am I crazy? This portion of the CU podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. It's what I use to keep myself safe online, and you can too if you care about the privacy and security of your online activities. NordVPN is what you need. I've used NordVPN since I've been traveling again, Ian at airports, at hotels, and even restaurants, and even at home sometimes when it's been useful. 
NordVPN comes with a number of benefits. Your internet is totally secure with NordVPN. All of your internet data stays safe behind a wall of next-generation encryption. They have a strict no-logs policy at Nord. They don't track, collect, or share your private data. Why? Because it's none of their business. VPN servers are everywhere. Choose from 5,400-plus servers in 59 countries. Enjoy the internet with no limits or borders. And there's worldwide access. Enjoy instant, secure access to hundreds of streaming websites worldwide. P2P, welcome here. Share large files with no hassle thanks to hundreds of secure P2P servers. You can use it on multiple devices. One account lets you connect up to six devices, and you can secure them all in any combination. And use it with ease. It's just a click. Using NordVPN is as simple and intuitive as making your morning coffee. Take control of your internet experience today with NordVPN. Right now, you can get a two-year plan at a huge discount, plus one additional month free when you go to nordvpn.com slash podcast. It's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash podcast, Or click the link in the description below on YouTube. All right, uh, we got voicemails, Ian. Go to anchor.fm slash podcast. You you go you you click a button to record. Hopefully your microphone is synced up, and hopefully you. you, you, you what do with the hand motions there? I'm listening to what you're saying. You're dancing with the hands. Uh, yeah, and uh, you can leave us. Uh, you can leave us some questions here. Hey Pat. Hey Ian. It's Dee from South Carolina again. Hey Dee. What are your thoughts on retro video games with the blockbuster stickers and labels on them? Do you think it increases the value any? Thanks. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Dee. No, it doesn't increase the value any. In fact, it, it largely decreases the value. That said, I've never been a person who's been upset by having stickers and stuff on their games. I would prefer it not be Blockbuster just because there's so many of those. But I actually like finding, like, rental stickers for, like, mom and pop shops on my games. I really enjoy that. Yeah, the Blockbuster ones are, like, they're too big. They like they ruin the labels. They're like you can't get them off really easily. If I collected N sixty four games, I would still buy ones with the the, the blockbuster. Uh, blockbuster label. I hate it when you find the occasional discs. There was a short period of time where they were throwing those labels on top of discs, Ooh. and that's disgusting. Especially because yeah. they get all gummy and they start. To, I'm I won't put that in a system. Like it just. You think? It, well, I mean, it reads the other side, but you're yeah, but like, it's just like it's just weird. Yeah, I don't. Think, it heats I, up. It's inside your inside your Saturn. It would heat up. Or I won't buy those. I'm also afraid it's going to peel some of the fucking protective paint off the top, and then your fucking beam is just going to shoot right through, like like, like my bong three. This is Paul from Raleigh and C. Hey, Paul. What I'd like to know is, if you could master one special move from Street Fighter Two, what move would you learn, and how would you use your new power? Would you want to do a Hadouken? Would you want to be, have a doll seam, sort of like long limbs, like Mister Fantastic? Uh, I'd, I'd get uh, Guile's flash kick, and I'd use it to harvest apples from trees in the fall. Would it, would it damage the? Damage the apples by flash kicking them? Might damage one, but I'd get a whole lot more at once. Okay, it's very specific. Plus, it jumps high. It's like 12 feet. Yeah. With that, it's very specific. Hey, guys. I have a question for Pat. Oh. Pat, about a year ago, Uh you talked about what things you're good at, like writing, for example. But you also mentioned you have great vision in the dark. And I laughed out loud when you said that. Because here I am thinking... How do you know you have great vision in the dark? What are you comparing it to? Because I wouldn't know if I have good or bad vision in the dark (laughs) because I'm not sure how well others see in the dark. So I'd love to know what's your baseline for that. Thanks, guys. 
Wow, very specific, uh, Adam. Very. He makes uh, a good point. I just think I am good at it. I can't. I do have the mutant ability to tell time. Ian's has, has uh, heard about my stories. I woke up the other night. I said, I, I said, I think it's uh, two fifty eight. It was three oh eight. I was off by ten minutes. I do that shit all the time. But I don't I've, think that's as not, impressive as you think it is. Uh, eat me, Ian. Uh, I've gotten very specific times as well. I've gotten like, oh, it's like three oh four, and it's been like three oh four. It's happened. Internal it's clocks happened. are a thing. Okay, well, mine, mine's better. You want to put it? We'll put it. We'll have, 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 a, have a scientific <laughs> test for me and Ian. The, we'll, we'll both go to sleep. Wake woke up the same exact time. We what time guess is it? The, whatever's closest, Price is Right rules without going over. No, no. there you go. No, we're going to do that. All right, uh, next one. Hello, Pat and Ian. This is Johnny Del Rico. No, that's not going to work. Johnny, that's not a name. Johnny is one. Johnny Del Rico, big fan of the podcast. First time, long time. Uh, my first question is for Pat. I just wanted to know who are your favorite video game composers? Because I totally give a shit. Personally, I mean, obviously, Tommy Tellerico is everybody's favorite, but after that, I would say Aerosmith, you know, for Revolution X. Who doesn't love that one? Uh, my next question is for Ian. Now, this is a hypothermical question. Can I say that right? Hypothermical? Yeah, it seems legit. So, you get to live in a mansion rent-free for the rest of your life, but you can never eat rice cakes again. Could you do it? Anyway, thanks for taking my call, and don't listen to the haters who tell you how much you suck. Don't listen to them. And when they tell you to jump off a bridge and kill yourself, don't listen to them either. Just don't. I mean, all your problems will be over, but still, you shouldn't do it. Maybe. I mean, it's up to you. Bye. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, I call it. Yeah, it does. Jami? What's it? Johnny Johnny Jellerico? Huh. That's that's an interesting, interesting, uh... Interesting call. Uh, let's let's go to the next one. Yeah, here. I could I could eat rice cakes. I could not eat rice cakes. Hey, this is Kevin from Portland, Maine. Um, question for you guys: I need a new roof, and it's going to cost me about eleven thousand um, dollars. I have about a hundred NES game or Super Nintendo games, and about seventy N sixty four games, um, all hand picked by me in the previous. 30 years of my life and I'm just trying to figure out what the best way to do to sell them and make the most money. Should I just sell them in a, a lot on eBay, you know, all the Super Nintendo games, all the N64 games and call it a day? Should I separate the heavy hitters? Um, I would say that I don't have any crap whatsoever. Sports games, I don't have any for the most part. Um, anyways, would love to hear your input. Thanks. I mean, you'll have to it really comes down to what you have, but um, I, I'll say this to everyone: to this is kind of a meet in the middle response. Sell all your big hitters individually to people for as much money as you can get them for, and then auction off the stuff that's not moving and get it out of your life. Or, or I guess whatever's remaining that would be tough to like the little common stuff. You, 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 what you find one buyer, right? Yeah, or you, know. you, you do a group deal with it. If you want, if you absolutely want the most money out of it, no questions asked. The only way to do that is to sell them individually. That could take forever. Yes. It could take forever. All right. Uh, next one. What's up, boys? This is Scatty in St. Louis. I'm just sitting here on a Sunday morning with a big doink, listening to the CU podcast, pondering the world, and it hit me. You guys are brilliant artists mm. of this medium. Do you consider yourselves artists? And... What's it like to be art? <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to be art? I, I never thought about that. Entertainment. 
I guess, uh, no, I don't consider myself an artist. I just consider myself a podcaster. Okay, all right. He sounded like he was uh, like a beatnik. He sounded like he was uh, smoking a dude. Hello, guys. Uh, greetings from the third world. I'm Romulo from Brazil. And I Ooh. was like watching a video on YouTube about the 6040D, and I was wondering, what if the the 6040D were the, the full media for the Nintendo 64? What could have been? It would have uh, fared better? Uh, I don't think it would have done much. No, um, I don't think it would have done anything. Because it, it's only 64 meg, those DD uh, carts, tapes, whatever you want, to, you want to classify them. So, like, that's not really moving the needle much uh, on, on the storage. So you still have a lot of the same issues you'd have with the carts. Yeah, on the NES, the disk drive was such a big deal because it was larger, cheaper storage. And it also gave you an easy way to write a save game as opposed to using batteries, which could be faulty, or passwords, yeah. which you could forget. Um, on the... N64, we're already working with file sizes like that. We're already seeing games far bigger than that on the PlayStation with, you know, I think the CD's 750 megabyte limit. Um, yeah, I don't think visually, audio-wise, I, I don't think we would have seen anything particularly unique other than maybe some of those, like, expansion sets and, like, like the, the, like the F-Zero X course creator. Yeah. I think that's maybe the one thing that made sense to have on, like, the disk drive, but nothing else really made any sense. It was just there to be there. You're not getting Final Fantasy VII on the 64DD. Like, that's not going to... Yeah. So, like, if that's, that's, it's still, it's still game You would still over. need, like, ten of those. <laughs> Take them out and load them up. Because remember, like, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a slower than a cart, you know, the DD stuff. So, there's still give and take to stuff like that. It's, like, in between a CD, obviously, but... You know, uh, okay. What we got here? We'll do, we'll do like three or four more. Yes, we're older than usual, Ian. Hey Pat, hey Ian, Brad from Whippany again. Whippany. On a recent podcast, I heard you talking about Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, the video game, and they got me thinking. Since most books, video games, and TV shows have been turned into video games already, what piece of classical music or artwork do you feel should have been or should be turned into a video game? I personally would love to see a Nintendo game based on Michelangelo's David. Thanks for your time. Bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just see how that would be parsed out. Uh, I don't know. An, an, an adventure game uh, based upon uh, Poe's Telltale Heart? I don't know. <laughs> like that's, that's not classic art, though. But uh, Yeah, I don't, really, I, I don't really have an answer for that. I, I mean, that's a more interesting one, I think, that I would need to ponder more so. A piece of art? Yeah. What's one of the guys face like, oh, like the Home Alone. The scream. That, the scream. How about that? Make a game of that. It's an interesting, interesting question. I just don't have an answer for yeah. that. Hey, Batman. Long time, first time. With Sony and Microsoft acquiring studio after studio, does Nintendo need to get involved? Do they risk losing third-party support if there are less non-exclusive studios? Or can they continue to create new IPs from within, such as Splatoon? Lastly, if Nintendo were to acquire a major third-party studio, which do you think would make the most sense? Thanks. Yeah, I don't think Nintendo's worrying about buying a third-party studio. I think they're good. No, I don't think they are either. I think they're fine. I think, um, I, like we've talked about when we really hashed it out on the, on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, 
Um, the question was something like, do they need new IPs or, you know, should they work with the ones they have? And yeah, it's like, I mean, frankly, when you look at Nintendo's history, there's plenty of things they're not doing anything with. Um, I don't think they're in danger of really needing new, fresh stuff. I always love to see new, fresh stuff, but they have so many IPs that we've talked about that haven't had anything in years um, that I think people would rather see. At this point, I think people would rather see loved franchises come back with an entry as opposed to yeah. new stuff. So I, I don't think it's really something Nintendo's concerned but about. They have like two dozen IPs that are viable. Once, yeah. you, once you have that number, that you're set for like, a generation or two of games, and obviously you make new versions. Like that's enough IPs. That's more IPs than, than a lot of the studios, you know, for viable IPs. Like two dozen is is, you know, that's that's insane. I mean, Microsoft doesn't have you know didn't have two dozen, you know, under their right. own umbrella. We're not even close to that. But it, so that makes more sense to buy obviously the other, other properties. But they're fine. Like even if they have only like a like a thirty five percent third party support, and they're never going to get a hundred percent as as when their technology is a half step behind, they're going to be fine. They're okay. I would do a couple more. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Dan from Boston. I was wondering Boston. what your go-to gaming snacks were back in the day. Oh. Is it chips, candy, soda, some combination? Just curious. I never snacked while I gamed. I, it was always like, come home from school, you have a snack, then you play video games or go out. And like, I never did it in concert. I just didn't want to get Cheetos on, on a controller or, or chip or when I was concentrating on a game, because I guess it's different when the games are so much harder when you're a kid versus now you can be more casual. Sometimes, like you had to concentrate. I didn't know time to like snack. I just did. I just never, almost never did it. It wasn't a thing. When I was a teenager, I ate a lot of candy. Skittles, uh, suckers were a big one. I love, I love blow pops and uh, Tootsie pops, and you could just park those in the corner of your mouth and play the game. And you're good to go. Uh, modern day. Uh, yeah, I don't eat a lot of snack foods that have dusts or flavors on them because I don't want to get that shit on my controllers. I do eat um, a lot of nuts, though. Har har. Um, I do eat tons of nuts. I like those nuts, Love nuts. Like how they feel in your mouth? I do. Crunchy and full of protein. Hi, this is Top from Top Spot 123 on YouTube, and I have a question for Pat. Oh. The original in television no. had less than 150 games made for it. How much would it take for you to make an ultimate in television guidebook by Pat Contry? <laughs> that isn't rhetorical. Pick your number and put it on Kickstarter. As a stretch goal, you could do an in television Amico launch library guidebook. Well, pamphlet. <laughs> Leaflet, one sheet. Could you imagine? Thanks for the years of entertainment, guys. Keep it up. I'd have to imagine. I'm not sure the console will come out. I'd have, I'd have, yeah. to, I'd have to. Can I imagine? Yes, I'm going to have to. Um, I had someone approach me about doing it for the Atari 2600. Which is actually an interesting proposition because the games are so simple to play. You can play any almost any Atari game. You can play in like a half hour. I mean, forty minutes tops to, for most of these games. Coming up with a complete list would be the impossibility. Well, there's there's a somewhat complete list you can probably go with to agree upon. Most people would be agreeable. Sure. You would think. I don't know if you put like the birthday cart in there or things like that, but you could include it. The ROMs are out there for most of this stuff. But that was that would be like probably the only semi viable pre Nintendo console to do it financially at least in terms of getting enough people to buy into it. That's the thing. Like if I did an Intellivision book or, or a ColecoVision only had about a hundred and a quarter, I think games, something like that. Like you can do it. The effort would be way less than doing eight hundred Super Nintendo games or eight hundred or even four hundred N sixty four games. But who the hell would buy it if I if I took an Intellivision book to a convention, say there's a convention, I, I, I usually would sell 60 to 80 books 
would I sell even 10 in television books? Would I sell five? Like, those are the questions you have to ask yourself yeah. when you do these things. You know, it's almost like, yeah, you'd have to kickstart to see what the interest is. And maybe maybe when I'm 85 years old and I, I needed some money while I'm on my private island somewhere, you know, potential, hopefully at a private island, get away from people. I'll be like, yeah, right, I want to do it in television guidebook and see if people would support it by then. But maybe by then the, the Amico, the Super Amico 4 will be out by then. Are right, you got time for one more, you think? One more. You think someone wants to check in? Maybe. See, see what's going on? Have I played Atari today? No, I have not. But Atari sure played me. You know, man, shutting down the Happy Amico Sunshine and Rainbows discussion on the Atari Age forum is one thing. But don't lie and tell people we didn't agree on it. I must remember the day totally different than you, Albert. Started like this. Miyamoto-san came by and gave me some mushrooms that he said would make me grow big like Super Mario. So I ate them. And right after he left, I talked to you. You said you would only shut down the Amico conversations if it was okie-dokie with me. I said, I don't like those ding-a-lings on there anyway. You said, okay. Then you turned into an airplane and you flew away. (laughs) I have witnesses. Kirby was sitting right there the entire time. He heard everything you said. I don't know when he came in the room, but he was right next to me on the couch eating Dunkaroos, not bothering anybody. And as soon as I find him, we'll both see you in court. Legal income. <laughs> wow, that's actually a, a, a clever, a clever little uh, thing. Because Kirby was the Nintendo's lawyer mm-hmm. before he was a, a cute, pink little chubby little guy that we all love. That's love. right. So very, very nice. Well, I hope I hope it works out, uh, Tommy, with, with you. I, I, I hope uh, best of best of luck on your future endeavors of promoting your game on your private Facebook page. Is that it for the CD Podcast? That's it. We're done. This wasn't a bad one, Ian. Yeah, it was fine. It always gets tougher once you get into the Christmas season. There's, le- there's, like there's less and less uh, you know, topics, especially like after Christmas. We have to see what happens. What, what are you scrolling for? Are you, are you looking for Dunkaroos? Uh, I, if the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 trailer was out, I was going to watch it before we left, but it's not. Oh, it's not? No. It's not out? Is, we talk about it's that been rated, week? and it has a 2 minute and 18 second runtime. But Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's almost been three years since that came out already. Huh. Yep. No, no, two years. It came two. out February 2020. No. Before yes. the pandemic yes. started. Yes. Yeah, yes. Two, years. two years. Wow, I got another one within, within two years. Yeah. And they'd have to redo the entire CG of, of this one this time, right? Yeah, they learned. They learned? They learned? Is that this one with Idris Elba? Here? Hell yeah. Okay. That's all right. I got to keep track of it. Okay. I'm just excited that it was confirmed that Charlie Cox is going to be Daredevil again in the MCU. Yeah, that's 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 cool. That's good stuff. That could be the best or most accurate interpretation of any of these superheroes that we've had or closest to it when we actually like boil it down. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Great actor. Charlie Cox, great actor, and he's great. He's taking our jobs, but he's great at it. So we'll, we'll see. I'm I'm excited for uh, No Way Home. I'll be I'll be in Sacramento at the Sac Gamers Expo that weekend. I'm gonna buy my tickets for that Friday. I'm gonna go see it. All right, but then I'll do, uh, and then I'll drop a, a video from my hotel room, which will probably get more views than, than anything I've done in the past year because it comes out right away. So people are like, oh, I got to see all their reactions. Dropping bases. I didn't say that. All right. Bye. Check out. We talk about wildlife and how we, we were astonished by what was not native to North America on the Patreon exclusive podcast. That's right. Patreon.com. Patreon.com. Patreon. 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 Patreon